Thank you for checking out Value Driven Life. I'm your host, Coach Chris McMahon, and today I'm sitting down and chatting with John Knoll. He is a 30-year-old fitness trainer and coach, and he has been working in industry since 2016. He is currently the head assistant coach for Level 10 Coaching, but he got to start working one-on-one with clients on the gym floor. He's a professional natural bodybuilder and can be in the men's physique category every couple of years. He's actually prepping for a show right now. I think it's in a couple of weeks. And John is awesome because his views on health and fitness have changed over the last few years. And at this point, his goal is to really shift from a weight perspective to a how I can make my life better in every imaginable possible way perspective. And I think that that's, John, where you and I sit. There's so much, there's so much going on and that I hope we can talk about today. But the thing for me, first of all, is to thank you for being here. And second of all, to say, yeah, existing in this messy middle place, especially from your point of view, it's very unique because because of the fact that your passion and what you enjoy doing really revolves around this world of physique. And I think people get confused about how someone might view all of these things because they are competing in something like that. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and thank you for having me on. And, and I love talking about these types of things because there, there's so many different perspectives about what health means, what fitness means. And I think a good majority of people, similar to kind of like how you and I are just talking about it right now, will view this kind of aesthetic element as how you identify somebody as being fit or healthy, right? And I think that's the reason, at least initially, that's what people think their reasoning is for starting to to work out or starting to make better food choices. It's always either I want to look better, I want to weigh less, whatever it may be. It's some type of external motivation. And you're right, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of, of all of that because my clientele is very much all general population people, just like every, you know, ran, or everyday normal people. But I myself am a physique competitor. I consider myself a bodybuilder. So I do take things to the extreme. And what a lot of my personal goals are very aesthetic driven. But I'm also the person who's going to tell you that's that's not what fitness means. That's not what health looks like. It probably shouldn't be what anybody strives for. And through my work with my clients, what we come to realize is that it's not really anybody's why. It's not even my why. Like, yes, my outcome ends up being the way that I look, how my body is perceived by myself and other people. But really, it's because it's a, a challenge. It's a, a goal. It provides structure. It provides uh, routine. It gives me a purpose and something to work towards. And that adds value to my life, right? So that's ultimately what I try and get to do with my clients. It's like, well, let's figure out what you really actually want. You know, what is the main reason for these things that you are looking to, to do or the changes you're looking to make? And most of the time we end up finding, you know what, it's not really about how I look. It's not really about how much I weigh. We come to this other realization of like, ah, that's what health means. That's what fitness means. That's how my life can be better as opposed to trying to fit myself into some, some box that the world kind of paints as a picture for us. Right. Yeah. It's such an interesting way of putting it, John, because I think that that's exactly what I've come to recognize about this working with people. I've come to recognize in it with myself. And I think a lot of the folks listening to this can sort of understand from all the conversations I've had is that this idea of like wellness, if we even want to take it away from like fitness, like wellness, general well-being, 
is open to interpretation, right? It does not mean we have to look a specific way, fit a specific mold in order to have met some credential. And I think, I think that's what gets lost in all of this, whether it be, whether it be on social media, whether it be on, I mean, that's really the place where everyone's existing these days. And, and what's refreshing, or at least what opens up a lot of things for folks is the way you use your platform to be open and honest about all of these things, whether it be from tracking how you're, how you're prepping for this particular competition you have coming up, whether it be being totally transparent about your coaching and the coaching style and how you interact with your clients. I think that it's such an important thing, but for you, John, like I've heard you on other podcasts talk about uh, how you got started with physique competing while you were working, I think either in accounting or as an actuary or something along those lines and just kind of going down the rabbit hole of, of YouTube and watching these competitors for you when you got into all of this and it became your goal, was that same open level of mindedness around all of this there? Or was that something that there had to kind of be like a light switch moment for you to be able to be like, Oh, Okay, maybe there's a better, not better, but maybe there's a way that's more sustainable to actually, actually look at all of this and try all of this. Yeah, I think that it certainly was much more of a narrow focus at first for me. I mean, I was younger, um, 24, something like that. And it was just kind of like, this is going to be my new sport, right? Because I was an athlete. And so right out of college, I'm like, I got nothing to do outside of work that gave me something to like, Oh, I, I've always been an athlete to someone to push myself. So it was very much kind of like, this is just what I'm trying to make happen. Um, luckily though, like you said, the YouTube videos, that's kind of like where I got introduced to competing and kind of like the social media fitness world in general, the people that found their way across, whether it was algorithm based then or not, I don't know the people that like I started watching were the ones promoting. And at you know that point it was much more of like a, IIFYM, if it fits your macros approach, approach versus now I consider it more of just like a flexible dieting uh, approach. But that's when I first, like right out of the gate, was introduced to I don't have to eat some strict meal plan to, to see the weight change that I want or the body composition change that I want. I can eat foods that fit into my macros. So right off the bat, I was exposed to a world of opportunity, right? And of course, just like everybody else who first starts with that, I tend to, or I, I I leaned a little bit further to the extremes and I was the person saying, I'm an, I can eat a pop tart every single day. Right. Which you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se. It's still a cool concept to me to say that like, yeah, I can still get really, really lean if I want to and eat ice cream every day, if that's my choice. Um, but over the years I have certainly through working with people one-on-one -on -one in person and definitely now, um, you know, in the online space, working with clients and seeing how, everybody's in this different place of their life, you know, whether it be different ages, they do different things for work, they have kids or they don't, they were athletes or they weren't. Not everybody is coming from this same level of experience with life and their relationship with food. And it's not quite as simple as just saying like, hit these macros. You know what I mean? It was that simple for me at first, but you know, through failures of, you know, trying that approach with clients, you realize that like, okay, we kind of have to look at that, look at this a little bit differently, restructure our framework around, you know, what system are we actually using when it comes to creating those dietary choices, the awareness around food, how it makes us feel. So yeah, at first it was very much, you know, I'm a numbers guy, like you said, it was, it was uh, the actuarial field that I was in. So it was cool to me to be able to just take that and say, 
if I just hit these numbers, I'm good. I'm golden. You know, nothing else matters. At this point, I am very much like, ah, you know, the numbers matter. They're important. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing them. I love looking at them. But there's a lot more that matters when it goes into how you create those numbers or get there at the end of the day. So, yeah, over the last six years, it's it's the same, but it's also very, very different in terms of how I approach things for myself and definitely with my the people that I'm working with. Yeah, you know, John, I really love hearing that because I think so often, and I've said this like a few times, I think so often if we look at dieting or, or weight management or whatever how, whatever statement or term we want to use, um, it becomes very easily just a numbers game for a lot of people. And it becomes a numbers game of how small can I make that number in order to meet whatever goal I have? How fast can I do this? Like that's, that's what it usually comes to. And the folks I work with, they tend to be, have done that many, 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 many times over. And it never seems to stick. And it's not so much that because yeah, calorie deficit works. It's more that, yeah, it's unsustainable and we can't really just look at that. We have to look at what's going on within your life. How does that actually affect the choices you're making? What is your relationship with this and that? Like there's so many other things at play that get, unfortunately, on on social media get underplayed and it makes it seem like it's so much more simple. I found it really refreshing when you even, I don't even know if it was a real or a story you had the other day talking about your client who was eating more and saw more definition, more growth, probably felt better. (laughs) Like there's this idea that if we're yo-yoing around all the time, why, why would we suddenly put someone in another deficit? Why not let them eat at maintenance and actually get a handle on these foundational skills that allow someone to thrive? I don't know your thoughts on that. Or like, I I think I do know your thoughts on that, but it's just (laughs) an interesting thing, you know? I like that you bring up that specific, uh, that, that client example as well, because that client not only, you know, spent time eating more food, not restricting, um, working on better habits, better choices, better systems and routines, right. Um, consistent training in the gym. Uh, one of the things I don't think I ended up saying, uh, when I was explaining that on, on Instagram was that she had also come off of come off of a period where, you know, training was inconsistent, maybe going once or twice per week. And then over the course of the last five months, that has now been a, a you know, staple, a pillar in her, you know, weekly routine. There's a big difference right there too. Um, but also she gained weight, you know what I mean? She was five, six, maybe even seven pounds heavier from the start to the finish. And I can almost, I would put a lot of money on if I just asked a hundred different people, do you think this person weighs more in this one or this one? they wouldn't be able to tell, or they would say the opposite, right? They would say, oh, she probably lost weight over those five months. No, she's five pounds heavier, right? So it does kind of start with this. And I think you're right. It it stems from social media a lot, which I get, you know, social media is tough because in order to stand out, in order to get exposure, in order for people to actually click on your stuff, like you have to be you have to show some people something they want to see, right? So you kind of have to almost like I don't know, provide some sex appeal, quote unquote, you know what I mean? Whereas you can't sell, this is going to take you 15 years and it's going to be really boring. And you know, like there's the people want the highlight reel. So it starts with this. Yeah. Everybody's going to want to see, wow, that person lost 50 pounds. Wow. That person, you know, is 5% body fat. Like that's where people's eyes gravitate towards. So it starts there. But what that doesn't show you is the process that takes you or that it takes to get there. Right. And how it is, 
year after year after year. So what I find myself doing with a lot of my clients, including that one um, that I had that we're talking about is reframing what we're really trying to do and what our expectations are from day one. So I really pride myself on the conversation that I have day one with a client and it's, okay, you might think that losing 10 pounds right now is your goal, but how about we look at it like this? What if your weight never changes, but next year you're the same exact weight and you're like, wow, my clothes fit a little bit better. Wow. My inches or my you know waist is an inch smaller, or I've got more muscle tissue and visually I'm at a better place. That year after year body recomposition goal is kind of like what is actually sustainable, maintainable, and what you should really be striving for, not a continual, I'm always going to be setting weight loss as this goal or expectation because, you know, it's a funny little example to throw out there, but I will always say too, like, let's use some logic. If you think that the only thing that matters and the only way to dictate success is losing weight, eventually you're going to weigh zero pounds, right? Like, or else you're not going to be successful. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, John, it's this concept of like, when I just hit that number, then I'll feel X or Y. And I think what people lose sight of is like, okay, well, first of all, we know that your weight fluctuates. Anyone, you just know that's, that's normal. If you're male, it fluctuates. If you're female, you have it fluctuating several times during the month, which makes it even more complicated to be like, I just have to be one number, which makes it more drastic, which makes it easier to skip out on some of those health promoting behaviors that actually are going to make us feel better so we can be more consistent but what you're explaining or the way I'm hearing it is like, no, no, no. We have like, you could be the same weight or you can exist in a range and feel X or Y way, which is something I think, I think people often confuse the look versus the feel. Like, what would I rather feel? And that, that becomes a deeper conversation, which is something really cool that you can do between clients and coach. It's like it's fostering this safe space to actually determine what, that level of empowerment feels like for someone or that level of self-efficacy feels like for someone. It's such an interesting nuanced place to be. It really does become like a, a mental game and process and evolution at that point too, because to be honest, you know, it's something I tell my clients a, a lot is, you know, your definition of hard work is likely going to change during our time together because you might be viewing hard work as going to the gym seven days a week eating a thousand calories and like putting your body through physical struggle. But what I want you to do, and it's going to be actually difficult for you is to sit down with yourself and think about why these things are happening, why you're making these choices, you know, where these emotions and feelings are coming from. And a lot of the times it, it starts with, you know, people will say, well, I was my happiest in college when I was 120 pounds or whatever. So that's that it's the 120 pounds that they think is where they want to be. But really it's the, the happiness that they're after, right? So we have to kind of figure out, well, what else was going on in your life? What else were you doing? What else was bringing you joy, value, purpose, right? At that period of your life, that's probably what you're missing right now. It's not because you're 15 pounds heavier. It's because you're in a different stage of your life, right? And just asking yourself those questions. I mean, to me, five, if you would have asked me that five, 10 years ago, I would have said, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to have these conversations. You know, I, this isn't the work that I want to do. I'd rather go lift weights for three hours and, you know, beat my body into the ground, but I'm not going to sit here and talk about my mental health. Right. And unfortunately that's very common. I feel like, and, and that's the real quote unquote hard work that needs to get done. 
but man, when that's what happens, when that's the work that you do with your clients, it's like, it's almost uh, automatic that your body composition starts to improve. The weight loss starts to happen, right? Like when you can reduce these stressors and these pressures off yourself, it's like, man, things actually are working now. You know, I'm sure you see that too. Yeah. And it's really funny. It happens this way because, you know, when I first started in the industry, John, I don't know where you start. I started at like a big box gym, like right out of college. It was my survival job. I I was a struggling actor. So I was like, I don't want to wait tables. I'm going to go work at a gym. I have no idea what I'm doing. And one of the things they would have you do, which is what I got really, really good at. And in hindsight, I, looking back on it now, it's like, oh yeah, it was just playing on people's emotions. And this is what happens sometimes. It's like, they gave you a script, basically you would follow and you would talk them through like, okay, so you want to lose this much weight. Well, according to the math, it would be this many calories you would have to burn. That burns in the flame of a muscle. Like you would say all of these things. And then you would say, okay, when, when you felt your best and looked your best, what period of your life was that in? What were you doing? Okay, let's get you back to that. And it completely skips over this more nuanced motivational interview, interviewing, like deep conversation. And then the other end, the pendulum swung the other way for me as a coach. And I, I have a feeling it might've happened for you too, where it was like, all right, let's talk about your why. All right, I need you to do your five why. All right. Tell me your five. Why? Okay. What's your why? And then it's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe someone will talk about that, but it's pretty, it's pretty intrusive in the beginning. It's like, how do we kind of, for someone who maybe is in that place where you were in the start where you're like, I don't want to talk about any of this. Like, how do you begin to open up that conversation? Like, how do you begin to inch that out of someone? Cause I know how I, I, I do it. Like, because someone can even start to do this for themselves too. They don't need to have a coach. They can start to have these conversations, work through this. So what do you think are some interesting ways that someone can even begin to start that, that process? Yeah, I, I think, you know, as, as a coach, the number one way that you're going to be able to foster that environment with, with a person is going to be establishing that rapport with them, right? You have to create that relationship, which usually ends up happening from sharing personal experience, right? Like, this is what I've gone through. Like, I've struggled as well. Like, this is the realization that I've come to. So sharing some of your own experiences can really help as well. Um, but similar to what you said, kind of like with using techniques like motiva- or you know, the, the interviewing techniques, it's, it's a way or your goal is ultimately to have them be able to come to these conclusions on their own, right? Like somebody thinks when they hire a coach, they want to just be told what to do. But in reality, a good coach is probably going to ask you more questions than they are just going to say, do X, Y, and Z, right? And I think there should be a good mix, a good blend. You know, obviously we want to give somebody a program to follow structure and whatnot, but through educating on why we're doing those things and what benefit they have, that's when we can kind of say, well, if we were to do this differently, how do you feel that that would change things for you? You know, or if this was a different consideration, we were in a different environment, X, Y, and Z, what do you think would happen? So I like to pose it as kind of questions to get them thinking on their own, as opposed to just straight up. You know, I don't like to ask, why do you want to lose the 10 pounds? You know, it's a little bit too direct, so to speak, but it's, like you said, well, let's go back to you know, what you're really after a different time in your life where you did feel these things you're looking for and see if we can't piece together the real reasoning through your own kind of like, you know, memory and, and, and things like that. So 
I don't think that that's an easy process and it also a lot of times doesn't even happen. You know, there, there has to be constant communication there. And I don't know if you've experienced it, but a lot of times as a coach, I will ask some of these questions and then won't get any type of response back. Um, so some people truly just have to be in that right stage of change in order to, to go through this process because you know, the, the world we live in, there are going to be situations where they just want you to say, tell me what to do. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard. I, I you know, that's why coaching isn't easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, no. It's not, it's not this one size fits all. Like I have, I have my unique method and no, I have a ton of skills and tools that I have in the toolbox, but what works for one person isn't going to work for the other. But what I do find is that when someone is open to those conversations, it's usually when they're coming off some sort of like win or some sort of like, even like a small win, which I'm sure you, you notice a lot with clients or celebrate with them. It's like, it's like, okay, we really have to like, look at this moment that you're having right now and kind of freeze frame it for a second. All those feelings that you're having, everything that's coming up, like, why is this actually, why is this feeling important for you? Like, why is this moment important for you? And that, that's when someone, at least what I've come to find is more apt to be like, Hey, you know, it reminds me more of this time. It reminds me of this or that, like that, that's like, at least how I start to see it. And it sounds like that's how you see it too. It's like, it's like, you, you gotta just, you just got to wait. You just got to wait for those moments sometimes. And also you have to sometimes push. So it's like this delicate yeah. balance. It's this delicate well, balance. One of the things I pick up pretty frequently too, is that a lot of people without really even realizing it have this conflicting voice inside their head where they are actually giving themselves credit for positive things that are happening or, or changes that are occurring. But at the same time, simultaneously, they're saying like, but I'm not 120 pounds yet. So I'm failing. And so our job is to say, well, look at what else you're telling me. Like, yeah, you're, you're letting me know that you're frustrated and upset that the weight loss hasn't occurred. But look what else you said in this same check-in. You told me that you were able to go enjoy time with your family and not have any food guilt. That's a major win. You told me that you pulled a pair of shorts out of your closet that didn't fit over the past six months. And now they do. Major win. So we have to be able to also identify, look, in the right now, good things are happening. You know, you can identify wins, even if there's other things that you're struggling with. So those conflicting messages that people have, we all have them internally. Yeah. I think is really helpful as a coach to be able to say, hey, you might not have picked up on this, but this is what I saw after reading through your check-in or listening through your response. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting, John, because it's like, at the same time, you want to be like, Hey, it's totally cool. You feel that way. Like, it's like, it's like, you have to also say, you can't, you can't also be like, Hey, you shouldn't feel that way. It's like, no, 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 no. You're totally allowed. Right. You're allowed to have the emotions. Like, yeah. You're totally allowed to feel like I'm failing. I'm making mistakes. It doesn't feel right. And at the same time, it's like, but there's still all this good stuff happening. So I really, I really appreciate that explanation, John. Cause I think folks listening to this, like, because they're human, they definitely will have that happen. It's just, you right. know, I think we, we sometimes all do. people forget that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It so too, it, it helps to, as a client, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're just starting out working with a coach or you're thinking about it, one of the things that we do at level 10 at the very beginning, like on our intake forms is ask, how do you like to receive feedback? You know, like what do you, what is the most beneficial to hear from your coach? Um, and some people 
will straight up say, you know, I really like tough love. Like, I want you to be hard on me. And some people will say, I really value like an empathetic approach. And so you'll know if you do that off the bat, kind of like how your, your voice should come across to your clients. But it is funny that because we do that, I also find that there's a lot of clients who will put tough love in nothing else right at the beginning. And then five, six or so weeks in, I'm identifying all of these things. And I'm like, I don't think tough love is actually what you need. I think we need to, you know, give ourselves some grace. We need to work on empathy. Like maybe that was part of the problem in the first place, because this is the approach that you thought was going to work. And it's really not, you know, so um, that can help kind of just frame the way that we we provide that message. Cause I do have clients that truly do find benefit of me just being like, look, cut it out and just being more really direct. And then there's others that I have to really, you know, ease into the, I'm going to talk about something that's probably going to make you uncomfortable, but we need to talk about it. Yeah. I think there's this level of like tough being associated with like motivation or motivating. It's like, if, right. if, if some, if, if I just have a drill sergeant yell at me, I'm totally never going to do X right. or I'll Y do again. It. Yeah. And it's very demotivating actually, you know, for the majority of people it is. Some people, yeah, maybe they served in the military or something. They're just used to that. And maybe that does work for them. They're just used to kind of shoving things down sometimes. You know, there's like all of these different things at play. Um, so, John, for you, like you started off uh, in a gym working one-on-one with folks. How did you slowly find yourself begin to transition to now? Now you're working as like a head assistant coach for for level 10, which maybe you could talk more about them or how exactly you found that sort of change for you. Cause it is, it's a huge shift when you go from being in person around people and then suddenly you're existing in this online space. It's like, Oh, <laughs> right. this is cool, and, but it's also and never strange. leaving your house. Never, never yeah. like actually communicating with people face to face anymore. It's, it's a really weird one eighty, um, which I do miss it. I don't know if you do as well. I did start off in, I don't know if I started off, but I had a couple jobs in the box gyms as well that I do not miss. I would never go back to that environment, but the whole being face to face with a person on the gym floor, that's invaluable to me. That's priceless. Like I I almost recommend to every single person, if they're trying to become a coach is that's where you start because that's where you gain the experience of how to talk to people, how to pick up on their signaling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think the, you know, social media obviously played a big role timing played a big role, um, in terms of right before. So I probably had three to four years under my belt of, of training and building up my in-person client in my, my hometown. Um, and I was starting to transition into, you know, a few clients here and there online as well, right? Some of the people I worked with in person, they just became online clients. Some people were coming through, um, from, from Instagram, from being there. And then, you know, by the time the end of 2019 came around and then, the pandemic started, that's when I was like, okay, I cannot go to the gym anymore. You know what I mean? Like, what, what's going on here? So that was around the time when Joelle, who's the, the CEO of Level 10, she, you know, decided to create Level 10 as a business as opposed to just running her her own Joelle Samantha Fitness and was looking for assistant coaches to come on. So it was really just kind of a, you know what, I'm I'm going to apply for that because a lot of her approaches and her methodologies and her like the, her message on Instagram was similar to how I worked with my clients as well. And so I made that very clear in, in the application and we ended up getting on a call 
and I was in kind of like this first round of, you know, it wasn't just me, a couple other clients got brought on. Um, and so that was spring of 2020 and a year ish and a year and a half later, that's when I was, you know, offered a, a more of a, a leadership role, you know, to help guide and to, to, you know, be kind of like a, uh, a point person for the other coaches to kind of make sure that we're, we're all doing these things correctly and whatnot. So I, I personally think it's the you know, best thing that's, that's ever happened in my career. You know what I mean? To fall into that. I think I got lucky with how it started. Um, but how I, you know, became to be in the position that I'm in, I think it truly is just because I am able to use my experience and ed- education to individualize how I work with, with clients and level 10 allows me to do that really, really well from start to finish from our intake, from, you know, how we are doing our consult calls to the onboarding documents, to all of the backend resources that we have for, you know, the nutrition, the training. And then also it's very much brought full circle with the community aspect. And we also have mental health services included as well. So, you know, that was really when I started to make that transition between all of this other stuff matters so much, you know, mental health matters so much mindset matters so much. It's not just the, here's your macros, here's your diet. Let's, let's watch what the scale is doing. It's, you know, it's more holistic in terms of that. So, you know, it's luck, timing, social media, all of it just kind of came together and, you know, just, just worked out, worked out well. I think that it's such a beautiful thing to be able to see something like level 10, where, all of the pieces of the puzzle are in play. There's not that one is favored more than the other. It's that they have to flow from one to the other, which is such a big part of all of this coaching, right? So I I work a lot with folks on nutrition, but I also, when they're ready and they feel comfortable and they in a place where they're like, I want to add training in, it's like, okay, cool. Now we're going to do training and nutrition. Or someone will be like, I just want to do training. And then they're like, oh, I kind of want to do nutrition. It's like, it's like this ebb and flow. It's, you can specialize. You totally can. Or you can refer out. You totally can. But it's like there is this relationship between everything that you're, you're doing. Like there, there's just not one thing. It doesn't work that way. Humans don't work that way. Nothing, I wish nothing they did. exists in a vacuum, right? <laughs> like it's, it's all everything affects. There's downstream feedback loops, just like how the body is, you know, structured from a uh, physiological, you know, manner with all of our internal systems. If one thing gets thrown off, those gears are turning and something else is getting affected, right? Like nothing happens by itself ever. Similar to how people are like, there's always that, uh, that, you know, meme or whatever on social media that's saying like, well, sugar is the devil or fat is the devil. And it's like, well, nobody's ever just eating sugar or just eating fat, right? Like there's always more things to consider. Um, and that's again, what health, fitness and well being is, right? It's, it's it's everything together. So yeah, I think level 10 in general, like as a, as a coaching team, it might be one of the very few, like off the top of my head, I can maybe think of one more that has, you know, all of that together. You know, lots of teams will have the community aspect, group chats and things like that, but you know, having a mental health, uh, you know, counselor on staff, having a, a therapist on staff to refer out to clients. That wasn't something that I was ever considering when I was on the gym floor, you know, like having a referral system to say, you should probably be talking to somebody more qualified than me. And I was, I was the 24 year old kid saying like, here's what I think, you know, not, not anymore. Yeah. You know, I'll still yeah. Yeah. give kind of like my feedback and thoughts, but I'm like, you know what, this is a little bit deeper. I think somebody more qualified would be better suited to help you. Right. Which I think we need more of. And 
fitness in general because more people we are seeing have more specific issues right like they come to us looking for weight loss but it's really like you might want to actually go get some labs drawn and like talk to a, a specialist about like what's going on internally because i don't think this is just like a your diet issue like there's something else going on right so you have to have that referral system nobody you, is all you really members. you you really do like i think there's a part of it where in a coach's mind it's like oh no i'm I'm losing a client like that could be very well someone's mindset. And for me, it's like, oh, I'm not losing a client. I'm, I'm building a relationship where I'm helping another human and they'll probably refer a ton of people because you're being a human and you're right. being you're honest and you're seeing, and you're being honest. I have no problem. And I've done this before, like just giving people their money back too. If it's like, I still want to work with you. It's like, that's great. But right now you need to put that money toward whether it be your therapy, whether it be towards, whether it be towards uh, a specialist that you're going to, it's like, it really does not serve me. And I'm sure it does not serve you or even the folks at level 10. If you're like, let me take this, I'll fix it. I'll rub some, I'll rub some magic dirt on right. it. I'll have you, I'll have Little you eat some dust. animal organs and then you'll be good. Like, it's like, no, it doesn't, doesn't work like that. We, there's so much more going to it. And I, and I just, I, John, I just, I, from the bottom of my heart, I truly appreciate this conversation because I don't think there's two parts to it. One, I've had these sorts of conversations with more female, with more female coaches, female identifying folk. I never get to have these sorts of conversations with someone who identifies as male. Like I just, I, I just don't, um, because it's not, it's not as nuanced sometimes or, if I am having these conversations, they're usually with folks who are my clients or like maybe one or two right. other coaches who I know who are this way. Like the people that I'm saying, like you would probably be able to name off the top of your head because they're probably the same people that pop up in your feed or you, or, you know, it's just, you know, it's such a, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to talk about stuff like this, because I think, I think there's just such a stigma around being able to be open and be honest. And one of the things that I think is really rad is the way that you approach uh, self-confidence and self-awareness. And my wife and I, my wife is a huge fan of yours. She, she always is, she was so stoked. Like you are the closest thing, I think, to a person that she like thought was like a celebrity that was coming on my <laughs> podcast. Oh, because simply, simply, simply for one, your, your speedo content and two, um, like one or two of your reels, like with, with your uh, fiance and your dog, I think it was the sleepy time tea one, like laying on the couch. Oh, that, was, like, that was a good uh, one. Yeah. You know, that was relatable. But it, it, yeah, but it's, it's, it's so much more of the level of, of confidence. And, and that's just something that really resonates with us. And it resonates with the folks who follow you, I'm sure, but developing that level of self-awareness and that level of self-confidence, like where does that, where do you think, do you think, do you think that that stems from one, the type of like training you do yourself, this level of that? Because I know for me, when I started training, my goal was to just look like a, a Marvel superhero. Yeah, that's what I, I wanted. I wanted to take my shirt off and look good, right? Yeah, that's really what it was. 19 year old me who weighed like 119 pounds at this height. Like, I was like, I just want to be big. I just want to feel, I, I don't want to ever be bullied again. I want to feel so confident. And that was there, but it also like, 
not really there. It's just, it's like putting just the costume over how you're, how you're feeling. So for you, do you think that helps with that? Or do you think like there's this other level there of like this other gear that we have to get into or you get into? Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I would be lying if I said that that wasn't part of it, or at the very least that that wasn't where I started as well. You know, being able to, you know, change my body and get really lean and build some muscle, you know, that, that's, that helped, you know, that, that helped me with confidence because you know, I went through a period of time in my life where I was a little bit overweight um, and jealous of the people who weren't. Um, and then there was a time where I was kind of like you, I was like, man, I'm just really small and skinny compared to these other people I'm seeing. I want to be bigger. I want to be muscular. Right. So being able to have some success with changing my body helped. And that's the obvious thing, right? Like a lot of the stuff that I post, I will get feedback from, you know, just the random internet people all the time. That's like, oh, that's easy for you to say, to talk about self-confidence when you have the perfect body or when you look like that. And I'm just like, you're, you're missing the point, you know, that that's not really what it's about. Um, because I think what truly helped me was realizing that I'm never going to be the biggest. I'm never going to be the best. I'm never going to have 10 million followers because of my body type of thing, right? I had to come to this, you know, acknowledgement internally that it is what it is. This is what I have. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not the type of person who wants to, you know, take steroids or get surgery or anything like that. So I have to accept and then be happy, confident with what I have. And so Yes, it helps to be able to look a certain way, but then it also helps to be able to realize that, like, I'm not the guy, you know what I mean? Like, maybe to some, but to me, I'm not. And that helped me to, like, you know, bring it back down to, like, I'm just a, I'm just a person, you know what I mean? And I don't care that much anymore. Six years down the road, yeah, I've got the ability to lose some weight to get on stage and compete, but I also am just as happy, if not happier, if I'm 25 pounds heavier and, you know, got some, got some flub around the, the waist, you know, like it, it doesn't mean that much anymore to me. Um, and I think you brought up a really good point before you brought this up was just talking about like being a good person. Um, that has been my message through all of that because, you know, when I get those, those comments from people that are just like assuming that I don't struggle or assuming that it's so easy for me, and this isn't necessarily because that affects me all that much, but I'm thinking I'm putting myself in somebody else's shoes. I'm like, you don't know me. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I struggle with. You don't know what my insecurities are. So who are you to just say that something's easy for me or not? And then I'm thinking about what about the comments that other people are getting in a similar fashion? Like they're just getting judged. They're getting criticized. They're getting ridiculed with no awareness or knowledge of like what their life circumstances, what they're going through. What And I'm like, can we just be better human beings? You know what I mean? So that's truly been my message to just say, do what makes you feel good. Be happy with, you know, who you are. You know, I, I love the whole, you know, I'm a health and fitness coach. I'll help you change your body if that's what you want, but it's not going to get you to this, this place. You know, what we really have to do is kind of like learn how to live our lives fully, enjoy it and find fulfillment in other areas. And that leads to being a good person. Um, so I don't know, that was kind of a, a lot of rambling there, but that's kind of my message at this point. You know what I mean? It's like, we all got to do yeah. better. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't think it was rambling. I think it was very actually pretty on the nose. John, I think it's this, this concept for wherever we sit, like whatever body size, whatever shape we're in, we're never going to know someone else's story. We're never going to know 
someone else's journey. We're never going to know someone else's abilities. We'll just never know that. And this goes for someone who is being like, you know, for me, I've never been in a bigger body. I never have been. I've never experienced like having someone judge me for not sitting in a seat. Someone judge me for maybe ordering like two of something at a restaurant and suddenly people assume something. Like I've just never, I've never had that. I have had where I was like bullied because I was small for my age by kids who were younger than me. I have had like me be too weak to defend myself. I have had like uh, be, being made fun of for the way like my chicken legs look. Like I've had all that, but that doesn't mean I still understand what that other person in their body experiences. And I think it's just such a delicate topic to understand or really to, to lean into the fact if we're, if we're genuinely a good person, if we're genuinely trying to be more human and understand like this level of self-compassion that we have to develop for ourselves and a level of compassion that we have to develop for other people that we share this world with, it really does change things. And it bleeds, it starts to lead into like the aspects of our, our training, the aspects of our recovery. It's like, if I, if I'm training really, really hard, my nutrition is on point, my sleep is okay, but I carry myself through the day like an utter asshole. That's going to also affect your progress. It just does that stress. It just does like it, it, it's all interrelated, you know? So I think, I think you were spot on in what you were saying. And, uh, I, I truly appreciate it. Yeah. It's uh, the way that I also picture that whole, like, you know, stress management, how it matters in terms of how you're going to recover and adapt from your training. Like I talk about that all the time with my clients, um, that there's this certain range that you are trying to fall into. If you can't recover from something, it's not going to serve you. And at the worst, it's going to hurt you. Right. And if you think about that concept, when it comes to other people's thoughts and, and opinions as well. It's, it's the same thing. It's like, if we're constantly worried about what they're going to think, what they're going to say, what their judgments are, we're never going to actually grow ourselves. We're always going to be held back, spinning our wheels and never taking any steps forward. So part of the message that I try and you know put out there too, is just like, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, stay in your lane, do what makes you happy and, and just keep, you know, keep putting yourself out there. And, um, I think that allows your just overall life stress to be lower and everything else just kind of follows suit. You know, your, your, your health and fitness, it just falls in line. Your overall, you know, experiences of what you're doing, you're, you're more present, you're more mindful. Um, and, and there's always going to be, you know, the, the people that are going to say things, you know? Um, and again, it's just, I, I try and remind people that like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It does not matter what anybody else thinks or, or says or does do what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It really doesn't. So John, I know you have, what are you two weeks out from your competition? So a little bit less now, actually it's not, so it's Thursday today, right? So we don't have uh, or I don't have anything this upcoming weekend, but the following. So it's like nine days, 10 days out. So week and a half, we are, we are almost there. How are, how are you feeling now compared to the last competition you did? Well, the thing is like, how do I feel in terms of like how ready I am or how I look? I think it's pretty similar. 
But some people will be asked, like within this past week, have asked me, you know, how do you feel? You know, how, how what's your energy like? You know, how how miserable are you? And I think back to how I felt in 2019 when I competed last. And when I tell you, Chris, I was miserable. I was miserable then. Like I, it would, it, I was dragging my feet walking because I had no energy to pick them up off the ground. I was angry, irritable all the time. Catherine hated me. <laughs> um, she didn't really, but like, I was not fun to be around. I had, it was awful. I had no energy. I don't necessarily have the exact reason as to why it's different this time around, but I'm, I'm good. Like I feel good. I can manage myself throughout the day. Don't get me wrong. I still have swings where it'll drop and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to talk to anybody or I'll just lay on the ground. Maybe sometimes take a nap. But mostly, my training is good, my energy is good, um, and I'm just as lean, if not leaner. Like I'm just as ready. And I think part of it is due to the fact that, like, if you picked up on it, I said 2019, right? Like I haven't dieted like this at all for three years, right? Um, and I think that's, I mean, that might be the component. Um, it also might be because I'm doing it like in a shorter time period than 2019. I was dieting for the entire year, pretty much. Which both of those points, like if you're listening to this, I'll repeat them. I haven't been dieting for three years. And the last time I did it and was absolutely miserable, I was restricting for an entire year straight. Unfortunately, that's how many people live their lives right now, where it's like they're constantly dying, dieting way too frequently and way too long when they're doing it. You know what I mean? So I think what's truly helped me is, and what I really try and put out there to people or tell my clients is, if you really want to make long-term progress, be sustainable, improve your health and fitness, and just feel better in general, most of the time you should be not doing this, eating more food, fueling yourself adequately, so on and so forth. I think that that is that was actually what I was going to ask you. Like I was going to say, oh yeah, that's probably a bigger break than you've had in the past. It went, when you did compete, uh, you said you were dieting that full year. Was it just because? you were doing multiple competitions at once or was yeah, it like, I, I how did far like, apart, you know, I started dieting actually in like November of 2018. And then I had my first show March, 2019. And then I competed in my last show that year after doing like five in between the last show was in November, I believe of 2019. So wow. it was literally almost a full year of, you know, obviously the beginning of it, I wasn't super lean. I wasn't in contest shape, but by summer I was, I was very lean, very low body fat. And so from June to November, I maintained very low levels of body fat. And that's when things tanked for me. That's when, you know, I kind of wish just because I am a numbers and data person, I, I would have went and gotten like blood tests done, you know, maybe like a DEXA scan. Cause I can guarantee you from that point to that six months, my testosterone tanked. I can probably guarantee you that I lost a significant amount of lean tissue, you know, just kept getting smaller and smaller. Um, so if nothing else, you know, take away from this, that it's not sustainable to be super lean all the time. So every time you see pictures of me or anybody else on social media, you're like, wow, that person is shredded. I want to look like him. I don't look like that most of the time and nobody should. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I don't think people should. I, do you, do you feel like as if, as if the next time you do something like this, you'll probably give yourself a longer break or does it feel like you miss being able to compete more than once every three years? I know it's hard to answer that maybe right now because it's been such a long break for you, but. I yeah. I, so 
I think I get tempted because I'm a competitive person. So it's not mm. so much that I miss doing it, but it, I see other people and I'm like, man, I wonder if I, if I competed against them, how would I do? You know, man, I want to go try and win a, a world title, so to speak, you know, world championship. So it's the, it's the urge to put myself against other people that makes me want to do it. But do I want to actually like go through the process more frequently? Not really. Like I enjoyed, you know, despite there being a, a global pandemic and, and whatnot through a good portion of it, like I enjoyed not restricting and not dieting for the last three years. And something else to take, keep in mind too, is just because I wasn't dieting doesn't mean that those three years I was spending eating like an asshole, right? Like I wasn't gaining a substantial amount of weight. I would argue that I was way, way heavier. I don't even have to argue. It's just fact. I was way heavier when I started my prep for this 2019 shows than I've only lost between the beginning of, or whenever I started this, this diet in, in April to now, maybe seven pounds total. I had to lose like 40 pounds back in 2019. You know what I mean? So that's a big thing to take away too, is that you can still maintain a lean physique. You know, you can gain a, uh, impressive one um but that's the 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 disconnect that people have between like if you're not absolutely 100 shredded you're not getting those used clicks and likes on instagram so that's what people think is normal when really it's like if you're 10 12 even up to 50 percent body fat as a guy like you're in good shape you know what i mean but nobody bats an eye at that anymore because it's not chris bumstead yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. it's like yeah, why why would I want to eat at maintenance and be really comfortable and sleep better and right, you know, and be a better be human with more energy. Myself. Yeah, it's it's just really interesting perspective to have on things, especially when you are so aware. Like you do know this. You're like, I'm literally telling my clients this all the time, and here I am experiencing it and feeling <laughs> like ah. <laughs> I think you that know? does help though, you know, and I've had yeah. some clients who currently are in a fat loss phase as well, like right alongside me. And they have said that, you know what, I, I actually truly appreciate the fact that you know what it's like, because they'll tell me that, yeah, I'm, I'm hungry right now. And I'm like, me too. You know, some of that is normal. You know, if you, if you want to, you know, make this happen, there is some level of sacrifice that comes into play. Right. So it is normal. And I think just like with anything else, people gravitate towards the experience that they are having, right? So there are some clients who only will work with a female coach because they're a female, right? There's some people who only want to work with a coach who has been, you know, overweight in their life. And, and I get that, you know, you, you gravitate towards experience. So it does help me in some sense also to kind of be like, here's what's in the range of normal or not when it comes to metabolic adaptations or the, what the, the, you know, the downsides of dieting in general. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, healthy for people to understand too because the way you're going about it is not what is usually portrayed out there either so i think i think that you know it's like this is actually a little more realistic of an approach it's a it's a soup it's much slower but still pretty fast uh than compared to some other what some other folks might be doing out there so it's it's wonderful to see John, if, if people are listening to this and they, they are like, oh, I really want to work with John and John's where it's at. John's the shit. I want to work with John. Uh, how can, how can folks, how can folks go about doing something like that? Yeah. So you can either head over directly to my Instagram page, which what is my handle at underscore John dot Noel. 
um, or even just like the, the level 10 website directly. I, I have my own kind of like bio page there specifically, but, um, on my Instagram, in my, uh, on my homepage, there's a link to apply, which is a real, real brief application that just says, you know, who you are, what you're, um, looking to do. And at this point I have a handful of clients on, or a handful of applicants on a wait list. So currently what I've been doing is, you know, if you really want to work with somebody now, obviously one of the benefits of being on a team of coaches is I can refer you to somebody else. Right. Um, but if you really wanted to work with me, then that's how you would just, you know, send a brief application. And, uh, once I am opening that up again, we'll hop on a, a quick free console call and, and talk things through and, you know, start back at that. And like I said, my number one goal and, and, uh, priority when I start with somebody is figuring out those expectations, figuring out what the what the why is, what we're really looking to looking to achieve. Uh, I think that's so cool. I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes if folks want to check that out. So, John, the last question I ask everyone who's on here, uh, and it always gets folks to think a little bit, is if you were able to go back in time, you can choose your method. You could use the DeLorean. You could be uh, uh, Avengers, <laughs> Avengers, and just go back in time and disregard butterfly effect. You can do whatever you want. If you could go back um, to when you were getting started in this whole thing uh, back in 2016, when you were starting coaching and training, uh, when you're sitting in your cubicle watching those videos, uh, what is one little piece of advice or wisdom you would give yourself? Not necessarily to change everything, but to just to let you have a little more awareness. What do you think that would be for yourself? So I think it's because and I hope this is going to reach a, a younger crowd. I hope somebody that's within that, you know, 18 ish range, you know, just getting into this, listens to this. Um, especially if you are a, a male is I probably wouldn't die. I would tell myself not to diet right away because that's how I started, you know, getting right into, I'm going to compete. I'm going to do a bodybuilding show. And so the first thing that I did when I got serious was started restricting, you know, started into a deficit, started trying to lose weight. Whereas I look back now and I'm like, if I would have spent, another two more years out of the last six years in a you know surplus and maintenance building muscle i might be i might be a lot bigger right now or i might you know be in a further place where maybe i could win a world championship right now and i know that's not everybody's type of goal but i think starting there gets you way further ahead than what everybody does and that's always oh i want to improve my health fitness it's i'm going to go on a diet well maybe don't start there you know maybe push that back a, a year or two because you can see a lot of progress with body composition while you are staying the exact same weight or gaining so that's probably what i would have done um as opposed to just doing what everybody does which is lose weight lose weight lose weight right i really appreciate that and it pretty much circles back to what we were talking about in the beginning it's like eating at maintenance is wonderful uh and then eating in a slight surplus it's not so bad either. Yeah, that can be pretty fun. It can. It can. Um, but also, it's like this whole trajectory of just like, it, it's a long game. It's not It's not this like two months thing. Yeah. It is a long, it's a long thing. And that's, it, it's really cool when you look at it from that perspective. Because it's like, even if I have an utter shit day, it's like, in the grand scheme of things. Right. What's one day? What's one day? It's like you can't mess it up because you, you got more than one more day. You know, it's, it's, it's really uh, empowering for folks to hear that. So, John, I, again, I just want to thank you for making time to be here. If folks are checking this out because they're fans of yours, I appreciate you listening to the show and checking it out. 
Uh, if you could drop a five-star review on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to this, I really appreciate it. It lets other people hear the, sh- hear the show, maybe catch the show and see it. Um, there's two episodes that come out every week. One is with an awesome interview with a guest like John, and then the other is a uh, short, quick, little bite-sized podcast breaking down some nutrition or fitness topic uh, based off things I've heard from my clients, things that people have asked me on social media. They're quick and they're really, really helpful. So I appreciate you checking it out. Thanks again, John. And everyone else, go do great things because you can.